You're listening to The People's Pitch, the official podcast of Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by Football Stadium Prince. Let's start the show. And as I talked about just a couple minutes ago, as Joe Watt stands over this one, he appears to be the one taking the penalty here. Uh, this is a huge confidence booster if you're a Duluth. Worst Mr. case Elder scenario for City right more. here. And it stopped! Yes. And it stopped! Totally Matt Elder! <laughs> Matt Elder redeeming himself! Oliver with the right foot. The shot is... Oh! Oliver! And Justin Oliver! will break the scoreless tie. Then it is 1-0 Minneapolis City. It's Hutton now on the offense with the left foot. And oh, the goal! Goal! It is now 2-0 Minneapolis oh, yes. City. Good finish. Nick Hutton taking his quick victory lap. Greetings from the frozen north home of the most dangerous PR stunt U.S. soccer has ever done. This is The People's Pitch, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City SC. As always, I am your host, Nate, joined by the hand warmer to my soccer soul, Johnny (laughs) Business. John, have your cockles thawed out after last night's big game? Uh, You know, the the cockle seems to always be warm, so that's good. Um, it's the other things like, I, I, like the bottom of my feet, uh, uh, standing for, you know, two hours on what was like a wet slushy mess of rock salt and former ice. Like I just wasn't prepared for that, that piece. Mm. Uh, but no, I'm good, man. Like I, I, I had all sorts of battery powered heating mechanisms on my person. So I was good to go. Well, man, you know, this one, this show feels good. It's, uh, it's been a while, I think since We've basically dedicated an entire show to an old granddad rant. If you've been with yes, us from the beginning, we used to have these rants every once in a while. I think we've got we, we've had one other show where we just bitched the whole time, and uh, I think that's what we're going to do tonight. We've teased it out, but John, we need to have a talk about our cousins across the river. Um, mm-hmm. But first, housekeeping. Uh, e cup knockouts are going to start soon, and I'm going to tell you what it's rematch time. I'm excited for that. Member meeting is coming up next week, so we're going to talk about what you can expect if you attend, and then, and only then, we're going to get serious about the effects of Lunesta. (laughs) Well, before we get started, Nate, there was that soccer game last night here in Minnesota that you mentioned. (laughs) I I did go. um, I assume you watched. uh, Oh, yeah, I watched it. Yeah, yeah. um, Well, there's a few thoughts on it. Um, that I have, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep them brief, but I want to mention a, a few points. Number one for me was, did you, di- I, I didn't rewatch the game, um, mm-hmm. even though I was like sitting in a spot where I probably saw myself on TV, but I, I didn't rewatch the game. Um, did you see Matt Turner trying to keep himself warm by like p- putting his hands down his pants and then sprinting from end line to end line when the ball was on the other end? Yeah. You know, they didn't, uh, You'd be surprised to know they didn't show it because I bet that was a bad look. Um, but they <laughs> did. But Stu did talk about it. He he said he narrated what was happening because they took his Brett Favre hand warmer away within like thirty yeah. seconds to kickoff, right? Yeah, he couldn't wear he couldn't wear like the the uh, the muff, I guess they call it. Yeah, uh, hand that's warmer. Neat. Um, but, but and then I did see the I did see the cam the shot of him being wrapped in what what can only be described as like a rescue blanket from like a from like a north pole helicopter yeah like he just finished the new york or the boston marathon 
Yeah, or like he just they found him because he got lost on the Iditarod and his sled. He had to like sleep with his sled dogs. Like he, these guys looked cold as hell. So the the thing about that was like whenever the an injured player went down, he sprinted to the bench and he he like immediately drank something, which I can only think was like hot water or like (laughs) chicken chicken soup in a thermos, bone broth or something. Uh, Yeah, yeah, to like keep himself warm, and then they like wrapped him with like a, a blanket it was probably maybe a heated blanket i don't know what it was but it was interesting but him running back and forth to stay warm was the high like every time the ball was on the other end and nothing was really happening i i constantly found myself watching him with his like you know 10 feet long legs and like wearing all purple and he had no arms to like run normally because he had his <laughs> hands stuck in his pants yeah. if you can find the clip online it's 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 absolutely hilarious so that was number one for me i thought that was hilarious number two was um the logistics so i know some people that went to the game that didn't get in until almost the 30 minute mark because of yeah. trying trying to get in um that to me is like poor poor planning and I know you can't plan for what last night was to like the 10th degree, but like going through that process, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I, I got my vaccination stuff checked. I got my, my ID checked. I went through metal detector. And like I said, I was wearing battery operated clothes and like, I went off and I was like, dude, I'm full of batteries. And I was like, and honestly, I have so many pockets. I don't even know where my car keys are. They're, they're in here somewhere. Like I just don't know where they are. <laughs> And the guy's like, he like wanded me down. He's like, he's like, yep. And he like, every, every time it went off, he's like, what's that? And I was like, battery, what's that? Probably keys. Um, and, and so he's like, yeah, you're good. <laughs> so we get through that, that piece. And then here's where the log jam started for me was that the ticket taking apparatus, because it was all digital was freezing on the poor lady at the gate, at the door. Oh, so no. like, like trying to scan, yeah. Like trying to scan your phone was not working because it was free. It was fucking freezing. And like, it's just like having your, your, you know, you're enjoying poolside and your phone's in the sun and you get that notification. It's like, Hey, your phone's too hot. Like put it in the shade. This was the exact opposite. It was like, your phone's too cold. It will freeze and turn into a brick. Um, So like the poor girl, like, and I mean, I'm sure it happened at every gate where it was like taking forever to get your tickets to, to scan. So that was a negative for me. Um, the other thing that <laughs> that's was a negative. For, yeah, it's a negative. The other thing that was big for me is um, how do you, how would you say if I'm just asking you for the first time, how does someone at like a concession vendor enter information in about like what you've ordered and how much it costs? Like, what's oh, the, the process there? It's your well, I mean, it's the POS screen, right? It's the uh, oh, so those things froze. No, they didn't freeze. The people using them fucking froze, man. They had to use their fingers to touch the screens. Oh, geez. So, like, I went up to get a beer when there, when one of the like, the third Honduran went down and realized the ground was 55 degrees and was like, ah, this is warm. I'm staying down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, like, I went up to get a beer and the lady, I looked at her and she was, like, shivering. But I mean, she had, like, everything on and she had her hands, like, under her armpits and i and then i looked and when she started to type my try to type my my order in i was like oh my gosh you can't wear like gloves it won't recognize gloves that have like the the hot spot touch points on your fingers like you oh, actually no. have to touch it with your fingers 
And then she had to like open the can of beer and pour it in a cup because that's the rule. And I was like, oh my God, you poor person. Like how, how, like how, how was this not thought of, you know, like there had to have been a test run. Right. Um, So I thought that was, that was a real big negative because I even like, I tipped her like, I was like, I'm like, dude, here's $10. Like, just <laughs> go, go buy yourself new fingers. I don't know what I can, what else I can <laughs> say. Like, like Jesus. So I gave her like a 10 bucks on, you know, like on a two beer purchase. And I was just like, I'm so sorry. You have to go do this. She's like, yeah, it, we didn't, we didn't even think of this. And I'm like, yeah, clearly you didn't because you're not going to have workable, <laughs> workable appendages tomorrow. Um, so outside of that positives were to me, like, even though like the, the whole event was riddled with negatives, right? Uh, and I know I said I was going to be brief, but it's kind of hard to be brief on these. Um, the whole event was riddled with negatives with it, the fact that it's like, not, like, from a human health perspective, like some of the players ended up having hypothermia mm-hmm. and like these poor, poor Hondurans. Like, can you imagine like it being almost a, almost a 90 degree difference from when you took off on a plane to landing and then you're like, hey, go perform. in an an athletic environment that's so awful like to have that be a situation and then just like the stance of the federation being like well you know when we go to mexico city there's smog and it's you know the heat index is high it's like yeah i get that but yeah there also are hydration breaks like what are you gonna do you're gonna die if you stand outside right exactly exactly (laughs) so um but I thought that the, the the one positive for me was that like even though there were all the negative circumstances, like the the state of Minnesota just showed how at loyal we are to a sport. And insane, like, but loyal. Insanely loyal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like you saw it in the Winter Classic, which was like a, a big event. You saw it here. I, I wish it was under different circumstances, but uh, it was kind of fun. Like it was kind of a it was very much like a, like a, a tribe mentality when you got to your seats and everyone's like, some people were sitting and you're like, Hey, I'm sorry if I'm obstructing your view, but like, we're all standing today. So let's get on board, <laughs> you know, like, and, um, and, you know, like I thought, I, I just thought like that piece of it was really cool to see and everyone kind of embraced it in the stands, but like, we were not the ones running around and like nothing more than a Jersey and, and like a layer of Under Armour. <laughs> so, um, and like the last thing is the weird, I, w- I was sitting about like nine rows up from the field and the weird sound that came off the ball when the players kicked it. I'd never heard it before. Like I've played in cold weather, but nothing obviously like this. Like it just was this weird, like, you know how like when you're a little kid and like you're, you know, you're hanging out with a sibling or you're playing with a sibling or friend or, or a relative and like someone punches someone square in the back and there's that like, like that body cavity. That, like, like thud? Yeah, like, like yeah, that was what it sounded like when the players kicked the ball. Wow, it's the only way I can describe it. It was just really weird, and like I, I also thought like I feel bad for players who like they're they get kicked a lot, you know, like like uh, <laughs> dude, I can't believe any contact in that yeah. weather, and I would have just been like down, like that's it, I'm not playing like, anymore. Like Pepe got smacked in the nose, and he's bleeding everywhere. And yeah, because his nose was frozen. It's like no, breaking off an icicle. Like, you know, no, like, thank you. Like, the keeper that took a ball to the face well, he uh, ended up in the second half. Hypothermia. No, the guy well, in the was, second the the, oh, one, the, the one that replaced half. him in the second <laughs> half took that cross from Wea in the face, and he just was on the ground for a little bit, probably because it was a warm – the grass was warm. But also, yeah. like, holy shit, that's got a sting. And then – so last piece on this is – so – 
The last, last worth, piece. The last, last piece, I promise. So is this whole thing worth it? Like, do we feel like that Honduran team? Because they were already, like, four, they were already down, I think, four of their top players or three of the four of their best players. Um, do you think we would have lost them if we would have played in, like, Miami or no. Nashville or... No, but you don't want to, you don't want to, I mean, here's the thing, John, is, like, I get that they probably wanted to avoid any sort of, you know, disaster of four years ago in Trinidad, like this that happened in Trinidad or something and, and make sure that if we're going to, that we can close this thing out and qualify for the world cup. But like, even if the weather, even if they were planning on 23 degree, 25 degree weather or something like that, if the team's bad, it's bad. If we were going to lose, we were going to lose. And And it's the worst team in the Federation statistically this season. Like it wasn't like we were playing Mexico, right? I know. Anyway, or, I or think like I think you know what kills Rica. me the most about it all, John, is like on TV watching. I know it's cold because I was just outside before the game started taking the garbage out and like letting the dog go to the bathroom and things. And so it's like I know that standing outside for five minutes fucking sucks in yeah. that in that weather. But like on TV, it was almost like they were prohibited from talking about how brutally dangerously cold it was. Except for the the Spanish speaking telecast well, that that poured water on a T shirt and it froze in front of them and it, like, it was like a, a piece of concrete. They were saying stuff like <laughs> chilly and brisk and looks a little and and it's just like on TV you can't tell how cold it is from for the players really until you see Matt Turner. Mm-hmm. You can't really feel it, right? So yeah, that part yeah. of it is like, and then of course you got the the fans around here like. Having making the best of it, right? It doesn't look that cold, and and the whole thing just plays into this narrative that like the game probably should have been played. I I agree with you. Like, why not have just done it, in Miami? If you wanted to schedule something at Allianz, schedule something. Schedule the next round at Allianz. Who cares? Yeah, you know, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But I mean, the team looked team looked good, all things considered. I think Weston McKinney yeah. was is really fantastic. exciting. Luca Del Torre, I'd never seen him before. That was amazing. Um, Zimmerman's great. looking better every game. I'm just mm-hmm. like. It feels like it felt like God when we worked together all those years ago back in twenty shit twenty eighteen when we were watching the World Cup and yeah. uh, was that what it was? What year was it? Twenty fourteen? Did we watch? I don't remember. Anyway, back when we worked together, we were watching the World Cup. I don't know. We've known it each was, other for a long was, time. I think it was fourteen. Um, yeah, twenty four. That's what it was. Twenty fourteen, and uh, and like we were excited for that young crop of of Americans that were going to show up the Michael Bradley's of the world and stuff. And like, it felt yeah. like we could do, we could do some damage. So hopefully if we can, if we can wrap this qualification up, we can do some damage. I'm also real excited for Canada. Like what a surprise. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. Um, America's hat finally figured out how to play soccer. Um, but yeah, I think we, we, we put a pin in this and we talk a little bit more about uh, this on a pre on a next, another show. Once we get closer to qualifying, like actual qualifying or not word. Agree. Um, so uh, back to actual topics. Sorry for that uh, that little side project we just dove into. Uh, Nate, since we last, you know, we last talked, you know, things have not gone as well in the E Cup as no. we had hoped, have they? Um, when uh, when we first started this journey, it was very much so a case of I'm I'm just happy to be here, right? Mm-hmm. But then the wheels touched down, and you, I think he started to realize like I can do this. Like it's not as like bad as I thought it was going to be. But that was quickly followed by a series of goddamn it moments. <laughs> uh, 
but through the whole cloud of dust that, that emerged um, out of that, you did what, you know, we're just talking about the national team. You do what the national team does best. You just figured out a way to get out of the knockout round. Tell us a little bit about your overall experience so far um, before we get into some, some match results, two in particular that I like to talk about. Uh, yeah, you know, I think, you know, nervousness is something that I'm not super used to. I don't actually compete in, in many things yes. in my life. <laughs> so it's ice like, in the veins, <laughs> you know, so it's like, uh, so it really, I really was nervous that first game against, against the Bobcats. And then that victory gave me some confidence. Um, and I probably wasn't as on my game in, in game two, which we'll talk about, but I think the, I'm taking the right approach, John, and I'm learning every game. Um, the third game was definitely, I will say a throwaway. Um, yeah, the second we'll game was too. stolen from me. So I'm not feeling too bad about my showing. And I think, I think I've got a chance to, to make some noise in these knockouts. So let's talk about that, that stolen, that stolen <laughs> game. Um, first one I want to talk about the loss to American outlaws. It was, um, it was your first loss out of the, out of the three games. Things started out really well. And for you, I thought, and then they quickly like just fell apart in the dying minutes. You had that penalty kick was saved and you ended up getting the L on the ensuing counterattack. Walk us through that one. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, much like the first game, I gave up the early goal. I was able to climb my way back and, and we were really well matched. I would say, yeah, um, I would say so. Despite many, many mid mistakes that I was making, uh, in the passing game, I think I was just trying to do the same thing over and over again. I was not being, I was not being flexible with my game plan, which is mm-hmm. a teachable moment. Um, yep. So I would I would have definitely changed that, but yeah, dude, I think it's super fishy. Um, I, I maybe lingered a little too long on where I was gonna shoot, and we do know that the stream is the stream was open. So who knows yep. uh, who knows what that meant? But ob- obviously the dagger was not just not getting the win, but then that that draw turning into turning into a loss on that literally the final button, the button hit of the game, like unbelievable how i got beat on that on that long cross and the header went right in like well you know what they say that's just bad luck you know what they say they say don't put yourself in that position do the job beforehand that's true (laughs) so the second one i want to talk talk about was the loss to and i say loss in parentheses to delaware rising and he played as minnesota united um there, there are a few things in this one first off the historic a historic match thing that you and your your opponent decided to play as MLS teams. And in fact, it aligned perfect that you were both able to play with teams from your home states. Yeah. So you went with Minnesota United. He went to Columbus Crew. Um, and I thought it was kind of cool uh, when you think about it. But most importantly, you were already through to the knockout regardless. So that's the other storyline there. Like, that's why you guys chose to do that. And and I mentioned on the broadcast, I felt like it was like a training match at a slower speed that kind of helps sharpen your tools. Um it, you know, was that the I, was that the case? Uh, what do you learn from this one? Yeah, I think again, thinking of it as being being an adult about it and thinking of it as a te- as a teachable moment, I can definitely pick out like two or three things that that at a slower speed I'm able I was able to still able to accomplish, um, despite mm-hmm. the poor quality of the Minnesota United team within FIFA. Um, tactically, I got a couple things I got a couple things going for me there, but yeah, I you know not not a great team not not an on meta team we'll call it so really difficult to really difficult to to make any noise when you've got who knew up top um and and you know your fastest player is 
probably carrying a piano. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not great. About half as fast as the fastest player of of like Liverpool or, or PSG. So um, it was fun. It was nice. It was a nice little fun thing to do to take that take that round a little less seriously. Um, but I was worried. I think I, I realized that maybe after the fact, I by making that decision, I had shot myself in the foot because I would have given myself a, a lower seed with that eh, loss. Eh. But in the end, it doesn't matter, John, because next up is. Um, is a rematch. A rematch is on the horizon. I have drawn Delaware Rising again for the first mm-hmm. round of the knockouts. Not sure when that's going to take place. I'm supposed to get that notification any day now. And uh, the winner of that game is going to get another shot at American Outlaws, who have a first round bye. So basically, a a, a rematch of our entire group. Um, and waiting for us on the other side of the bracket is Valora FC who just dominated their group and will and I'm assuming is going to dominate their side of the bracket too. So uh we'll see how we'll see how it goes. I think I can I think I can come back strong and beat Delaware and I've learned a lot against uh, American Outlaws. I think I have what it takes to beat him too. So we'll see how it goes. It's it's funny you mentioned uh, another UPSL North Conference uh member in Valora because I was going to say that the um the knockout stages are very reminiscent of the whatever the knockout stages that we had to go through for uh, with MC2 last year in the UPSL, <laughs> where it's like, hey, you 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 had a winner, and then now you have to play again in another in a tournament that's against the same people in order to go <laughs> on to the next thing. So uh, very very UPSL. So, anyways, for head sure. on over to our social channels. We'll uh, we'll blast out the information. We'll get we'll get a good party going to watch Nate uh, take on. Uh, Delaware Rising of Delaware, Ohio, we found out. Not the Delaware that you were thinking of. Yes, um, so up, ne- up next, Nate, is the member meeting. Um, it's that time of year again, friends, where the, the chairman himself, Dan Hudeman, puts that old English degree to work, and he breaks open the club's, the club's books. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to read the annual report, you can head on over to the protagonist and check it out. It, it's As usual, it's a fantastic read. Um, Dan does a really good job of of keeping you engaged while showing you uh, a balance sheet, which is probably very hard to do. Um, but on, on the heels of this report comes the annual member meeting. Um, I, and I know it was actually scheduled to come out before that, but typically we have done this cadence of having the, 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 the books opened publicly. And then um, we get together um, as, as a full murder, you know, all the, all the members are invited um, mem- members of the staff, the players, um, you know, we're all going to be there. Um, and it, it truly is the, the full murder game together. And we roll up our sleeves, put 2021 to bed, and we get planning on what we're going to tackle for 2022. You've been to all of these, right? Um, maybe an outlier where you missed one. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure um, the only people who listen to this show are members. Um, <laughs> but there are, there are some out there that are not. What's your what's your thoughts on the on the member meeting and and why do you feel it's a big benefit to to have that? I think the face to face time with the coaches with the with the front office is really important. Um, it's nice to be able to. I think we'll talk about it in a little bit, but like it it really does show the talk about the other side of the coin in a little bit, I should say, but it does show the the culture of Minneapolis City is is very open. And when you're at these meetings, like Dan is super jovial uh pribble mvb you um everyone's up there just joking around and very you know it's it is very serious business at times running a soccer team and dealing with you know 
PL sheets and things like that. But I think, you know, everyone's got just the best attitude possible and everyone is just really excited and grateful that the team is where it is now. And I think that creates a really great atmosphere for, for members to be able to, to be able to share in that. And then the open forum, I mean, you and I sometimes look at each other and like roll our eyes, like, dude, what is this question about? But for the most part, like, Members have really good questions about the future of the team, and I think it gives the the front office a great opportunity yeah. to under to get their finger on the pulse of what the fans are thinking. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think it's um, yeah, some of the questions I like you said are a little off the wall, <laughs> but it but that's the point, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you you watch these like. Um, you know, the Sun Sunderland till I die and all these like behind the scenes shows of cl- large clubs that have been built on mostly been built on the backs of, of local supporters that like live and die the club. And like you support that club because your dad and your grandfather mm-hmm. and you're, you know, like it, generational supporters. Um, that's what we hope to build is generational supporters. And you know, we don't know how long this, this, uh, this dream we're having is going to last, but um, those, those interactions with their fans are very much like you're a fucking wanker, like buy players, you know? Like, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. All, the Sunderland, the Sunderland <laughs> ownership meetings are really contentious. Yeah. It's like, they like, <laughs> how, like how, how are these dudes going to get out of this room alive? You know, <laughs> but it's important to have those platforms. So people hear these things and you know, good bad or otherwise you need to hear that stuff and i think it's a really good opportunity that we afford the people that that pay their hard-earned money for the tickets that and the merchandise we put out there and then come support the players that are all that are all local it's you you buy you look you you turn a blind eye to the random question they're like what the hell is there are they asking i don't even know how to unpack this um but they're not all like that. Like I said, there's really good opportunities for us to learn some stuff. Really good questions come at us. And, uh, and we've, we've course corrected the club in many directions since we've started based off of what some of those conversations at the membership meeting were. So it's a really good thing. So uh, if you're a member, if, uh, head on down to, uh, to uh, Udapil's Brewing Company on the 10th of this month, February 10th. Yeah, uh, next Thursday. Information, next Thursday. Information will be on all channels. Um, if you're not a member, then you got some time. Go buy a membership. <laughs> head on over to mplscitysc.com. Get a membership and be part of the be part of the conversation. For real. Well, up next, John, is a topic that's been on my mind for Here a long time. Uh, <laughs> and with one month to go already, it's February. One month to go until the MLS is back again. I have to talk about it with you and with the people. Um, it's been bouncing around in my head for a while and I've wanted to do a show on it since before Christmas because like one night in November, I think after the playoff loss, I'm scrolling through Twitter, um, you know, not in a great mood about, about United's loss. And I saw a tweet from a guy I know, a Wonderwall member and, um, an established local soccer supporter that I know and, and really he's an all around likable person. So take, it, it struck me. And the tweet said, God, United is just full of assholes. So many unlikable players slash an unlikable coach. And it struck me in its simplicity, John. It's like that 
the ability of that tweet to really get right to how I had been feeling about the team for a good part of the fall, maybe back to that summer, all of a sudden I realized that like everything I had seen up until that point as a season ticket holder, by the way, from MLS day one, the snow, you know, the snow opener, um, everything that includes, you know, the initial failures of the club, uh, passing on can't miss local talent in the drafts, like jettisoning fan favorite players, an inability to keep talent, losses to teams when, when, you know, they're down to 10 men, the Frank Apane thing, like this club and the taste in my mouth is, is really awful. And I have never been less excited for, for a season to begin than I am this year. So I want to start our discussion, John, with, with an old, with something that someone told me once, and I was, you can be dumb or you can be mean, but you can't be dumb and mean. <laughs> and unfortunately, from the beginning, United seems to have accepted that challenge. So let's talk about the early days and how the team was set up and what that um, kind of where where those two aspects reared their ugly heads. Well, I think what for me, and this is where I try to mind my P's and Q's for the rest of the day here. Um, mm. For me, the main thing was um, the promises. Like we're gonna, we're doing this. We're all in. We're gonna, we're gonna build. We're we're getting a franchise, and then we're gonna build this awesome stadium, and it's gonna be like all roses. And this the little, yes, some of those things did happen. I thought the team that overachieved two years ago um, was a good team. Like that that it went down to a bad coaching decision that saw this team not get a chance at, at winning a title. And mm-hmm. that sucks. Um, but I thought that, that that team and the way they were playing, it was working. Um, so yes, they that, that that promise was there at that one point. Yes, I, I've made the joke that they're in the sixth year of a three-year plan. Um, but that's, that's actually a true statement. Like every year it's like, <laughs> Now that we're, we're going to do it again. Um, this is our year and we're only two, three players away. And then you don't, we got the formula who, this time. We don't find out who that two and three players are until a week after the season starts. And then yeah. now I'm looking at, I'm looking at just Twitter on my other screen here and the club tweets out trialist, our main man trialist buries one at the death to give us a five, four lead. Like, what is that? Like th- this man has a name. Our main man he, trialist? Are they talking about Emmanuel Eway, the NPSL's no, own? They're they, they might be, but like, come on, like, like that communication doesn't need to happen. Like, you don't have to like make it a joke that it's it's a trialist. Like, trials in in those types of environments are extremely stressful for a player, especially if you're a young player or if you're an established veteran. It doesn't matter. Like, you're trying to fight for a job. It's like going to a job interview at general mills and then finding out that general mills tweeted like uh, candidate candidate one had a great day but yeah yeah exactly and you're like we'll see how it goes can- tomorrow am i candidate one like is this a good thing um so i think like <laughs> the 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 promises the missteps there um the communication that's come out like fan pacing communication i think has had its 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 major missteps in like the the tone it comes from like a joking, uh, a joking connotation, but it sometimes it's not funny. And, you know, you can say what you want to say about how our club presents itself online. And we don't, we don't always say the best things and we don't always, you know, make the, you know, hit on all the jokes, but we're not, we're unapologetic about who we are and that's who we are. 
We don't yeah. try to say we're one thing and then we're another thing. And that's what I think is that has been the, the major setback of the, of this club is, um, in Minnesota United is it's like, it's, it's like, we're this, but no, we're actually that, but we're not going to talk about what we are. We're going to talk about what we should be. And then there's just like, who's, who's, and then <laughs> the last thing, who's really driving the ship, right? Like you have an owner who's not a soccer person, whether you believe how he got into the game um or not or if he even knows anything about soccer uh, i mean my my old my old adage is you think you know a lot about soccer hit me a long ball with your left foot um <laughs> then i'll listen to you um but that's not the case here when it comes to like corporate ownership right like you can't ask right. you know robert Kraft to juggle 10 times it's never gonna happen you're gonna be there for a while <laughs> um so like it is is the leadership the one that's like putting forth this like it's okay to talk like this to be this um or is it the people who are working for the leadership like we really don't know who's driving and i think you can see that who's driving moniker in the personnel decisions that are made and we're going to talk about that here in a second yeah i mean you know from the beginning when you talk about the early days this like you said we don't know who's driving the ship and that was that was evident right away like we're watching we're watching Atlanta build their roster with some surgical moves um and you know really great was, you, you you knew who was driving that ship it was Carl yep, yep and then uh and meanwhile like United is taking taking flyers on players from the second division in Sweden or some shit and like who you know they're scouting people bringing people over from from Finland and it's like because why they have national team experience and the whole time it's just like you look at one and you look at the other and you go oh man I hope I hope this works I hope this works and then they then they go ahead and they they pass on what amounts to you know a local soccer star when you when you think about Jackson Yule and how he's developed it at San Jose they went with rather than rather than guaranteed ticket sales when they when they draft you draft by drafting a, a a Bloomington kid first round, you're gonna have all the fans all in on this kid's success. You go with Dunlady, who doesn't really play that much the first year, uh, if I remember right. And and it's just like he's only the first of many failed strikers. So I think for me, the first clue he's back. He's been now he's back. And I think for me, the first clue, John, that I was cheering for a mean dumb team was that famous game in that first season, I think, where Heath's kid got a red card from the bench. Like, dude plays negligible minutes all season and still somehow feels empowered to run his mouth and get in a fight from the sidelines. Like, that is a sign of the culture of the team, John, where where the coach's yeah. kid feels like he can do whatever the hell he wants over there, you know, damn the damn the outcome of the game just because someone said some shit to him i'm not going to pretend that nepotism isn't a thing right like it is a thing and i'm not going to pretend that i haven't been afforded opportunities specifically when i was younger because my my family was in a, was ingrained in a soccer environment in ohio where i grew up and then when i moved to wisconsin like i i'm i'm not going to pretend but I, I took those opportunities and I showcase what I can do as a player and a person. Um, so the nepotism of like bringing in your kid who clearly doesn't have like Harrison, Heath isn't a bad soccer player, but he's not an MLS caliber player. 
Um, I, I've seen him play firsthand. Like, and to bring your kid in <laughs> um, is that, I don't know, like, it's another, like, who is making these decisions? Like, what mm-hmm. person sat around the room and was like, you know what we need to do? Uh, we're going to sign your kid. And he, he you know, batter, batted around in the lower leagues in England as a youth. And he's been in the second and third division in the United States. And he hasn't really shined or anything like that. We're going we're gonna to take that guy instead of a can't-miss local product who will sell tickets, who is, was promoted to the national team, like is, is a focal point for a conference rival now. Um, it, it, that doesn't make sense to me. And I don't know, <laughs> again, I don't know who, who signed off on that. Yeah. John, <clears throat> I think a lot of what made that first season exciting for people though, was this opportunity to see players that, that we had gotten to know and love at the lower level, finally make it to the big stage. When you think about guys like Justin Davis or Ibsen or Ibarra or Ramirez, like how exciting that these guys, they're MLS players now. And we, we were, we've been there and we've been here the whole time with them. But unfortunately, like all those guys have ended up being given their marching orders. And it's hard to say in most cases that it's because of an inability to play at this level. Like again, is is some is the front office is the club that tone deaf like what did the front office see or not see that had them make some of these moves like i get that maybe you keep a guy like davis around because you just can't fill the roster you need the body can't fill the roster in year one i get it um you know ibsen wild on the field doing some crazy stuff make some crazy calls i get it probably you think you can get a better better defensive midfielder in I can't remember who his initial replacement was, so it's hard to hard to argue that you could have maybe Gray Goose, I guess. Um, but with these, yeah, I think I it was mean, Schuler. I think Schuler was supposed to. Be Schuler was always with us, and he was always garbage. It would be one thing if we made these moves, John, like as a way of building up, is what I'm saying. Like, sorry, Christian, you got to go. We've got to, you know, we've got someone that is a sure thing coming in. Oh, by the way, his name is Angelo Rodriguez or whatever that guy. It was garbage. Um, but if because it feels like every time we find a star, that star will inevitably is going to either fade out or the team just makes constant hapless personnel decisions, uh, or something goes on behind the scenes and it stifles these players, stifles players like Toy, like Dunlady, like Darwin. The list goes on when you think about all these all these people that fans get excited about and that really showed promise and flash on the field and then just stopped playing for the coach. Or stopped mm-hmm. playing for the team. And I've heard that when you, you know, it can't be, if maybe you can put it on, maybe you can put it on the personnel decisions. I don't know. I've heard it's probably at least one of these issues personnel decisions or bad culture could be both. I've heard when Minnesota United Scouts, uh, they've been overheard like scoffing at consensus best on the field players at, um, you know, college championship games because they they call those players tryhards and United only prefers thinkers. And that sounds like a really bad way to make personnel decisions, John, because tryhards <laughs> don't lose a game when they're up a man. Like, <laughs> I'll tell you what, tryhards wouldn't let themselves lose a game when the other team's down to 10 men. So when the revolving door of talent doesn't seem to stop spinning, it really feels like there's there's a toxic combination of locker room issues and potential like ineptitude at the personnel level. So I, I think there's, there's a couple of trains of thought here. I think number one, looking back, you know, if you could do it all over again, 
looking back on season one, would it have been a better decision to just sign your designated players, like truly sign quality designated players, obviously rethink your draft pick, um, but go into that season with not bringing in Adrian Heath, letting Carl, who was also a local favorite, maybe mm-hmm. not maybe not ready to be an MLS coach. Who knew if he was or not? What does um, that even mean? Right. Exactly. Like maybe go with what you had there and say it like it is. We're going to go into this as a true expansion team. We're the, the first year we're going to feel things out. We're going to go in with the guys we got. We're going to bring in some pieces that we know we need at the MLS level. And we're going to try to make this work. And then we're going to yeah. re- we're going to, we're going to look at it. And then maybe we're, maybe we're successful enough where we just can figure out the pieces to plug in. And maybe that's but a damn new coach. It, you're going to have fun. You fans are going to have a great time. Exactly. They're going to come. They're not going to just come because it's a new thing. They're going to come because it's still somewhat similar to what it used to be. Yep. And I, so that, that's one train of thought for me. The, the second is around just the, the building of the, the roster. Um, it's like, it, it's, it, it, to me, it, it's been, we have what we know we have, and we feel like we can just bring in better. And we're going to talk publicly about needing to bring in better when these guys that we have are the ones that we're, that we're trying to also motivate to perform so that we do well <laughs> while we're trying to find that other guy to replace them. And then that guy comes in and you realize that he's total shit or he's good, but where he's being misused by maybe the technical staff in a, in a, a role. And mm-hmm. you're like, how do we unlock this guy? He's very good. Or, or, you know, like, and meanwhile, you have these guys who are like, I was here from the fucking beginning and I'm, I perform and why, why am I, why am I being overlooked? Yeah. Um, it's gotta be hard for, from a locker room perspective, like you mentioned to, to, to go through that, you know, like it, there, the, the tra- there doesn't seem to be a transparency there. Um, and obviously all the things we're saying right now and that we've said tonight are all hearsay because we don't know what goes on. Um, but you have to wonder like, is is it a is is all the downfall uh, a a single set of a few people that have been mm-hmm. with the club since the beginning and you look at who's been with, at the club since the beginning and maybe maybe it's it is time for a change but I look at it as the script for how to be a good MLS team has has been out there it's like what Dan just wrote in the uh, the end of the year review of last year. The script's there for lower league soccer. And we just kind of, we, we, we had to find it at first. We had to massage it. And then now we know what we are and we, and we move forward and we're transparent about that. The script for how to be good in the MLS has been there since the beginning um, because it's a franchise model and, mm-hmm. and everyone starts off the same way. It's like, you can have X number of players already on your roster that you're signed for the first three, I think it's two or three years where they don't, like some of them don't count against the salary cap because they want to get like good players in so that the teams aren't shit every year. Um, we, we're giving you an expansion draft where you can take players that are unprotected from other teams. So do your scouting on those. Don't take like Colin Warner from Houston. Take someone who actually can play. <laughs> um, and, then you, and then you go through the college draft. So you know where you can focus your attention. I think the, the attention was focused on disjointed areas of how to build that roster by mm-hmm. multiple different people with, with competing ideas, probably. And yeah. then it was like, now what do we do? 
like we don't even have a team that we can we can put on the field and like we, i read with that trialist tweet that was put out in the first year they didn't have 15 players going into the preseason no and, and they, you know what john hard pressed for them to that's just like how they've been operating i mean i can't remember how many years we've been doing this podcast and we kind of do the ml we kind of always do the united preseason show where we're like oh it's a time to panic because there have been 11 players going into the preseason there have been 11 players going into like the last two weeks before <laughs> before the uh before the the whistle blows so it's been it's been pretty yeah. scary sometimes the way this the, this has been operated and i've already said some of these names but let me get a list going here and help me out if I'm missing any. But fan favorites here and gone, Davis, Ibsen, Ibarra, Ramirez, Darwin, good old Jerry, uh, Abu Dunlandi, Mason Toy, Ike Opara, Grey Goose, Ozzy now, Finley. Um, who else? Like that revolving door wouldn't be that Molino. bad to me. Molino. Oh, my God. I forgot Molino. Yeah, and that revolving door really wouldn't be that bad, right? If it wasn't full of players that fans actually loved, like all those guys, people were geeked about. And Ike Parra mm. still one of the like legit nicest guys to have played in the MLS. Same with Ozzy, right? Ethan Finley, exciting, like a local guy coming back um, and doing really well on our stage. Mason Toy, how exciting to see this kid develop and start scoring goals until all of a sudden he must have gotten a fight with Darwin or something, and then he stopped getting the ball passed to him. Uh, all speaking of uh, speaking of Mason Toy and a six, uh, six year for three year plan, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Finally putting it together, but you draft him as a freshman out of college. What do you expect? Right. You so know. year after year, John, we just talked about it. This team rebuilds its roster, and it's a mm -hmm. it, it really feels in, in like it's about now. Every year, it's about now that the team turns on the PR machine and they ask the fans with a straight face to fall in love with someone like fucking Jacory Hayes. So like, question. <laughs> it's exhausting, man. Like they're only a fan focused organization in, in their marketing materials. Like as fans, we're, we're just props to them. So let me ask you a question, name a player or multiple players. And you know, I, I do follow the club. So I know some about it. I'm not a diehard, but I do follow the club um, for obvious reasons, local um, name a player or a group of players that's been here for more than three years. Brian Call or Brent Coleman. Brent Coleman. Okay. Anyone else? Um potentially Metonair. Metonair is probably going on his third season. Mm -hmm. So what I'm what I'm trying to get at here is that you've named one guy who's been there since the beginning in, in Brent Coleman, but even just look at him and how they've jerked him around. Like so if you, if you take it down into parallel it to what we do at Minneapolis wow. city, which I believe this actually does have an apples to apples comparison. We had players that came with us in the beginning and, and performed and showed that they were, they could be at our level. And they, they, they hung around until they were either, they either left on their own, which I know is different, but they, they left on their yeah. own, retired, whatever step aside there's very few players that we've had here that we've had to like say you know it's made it's time for you to go because it's the ship has sailed but what i'm trying to get at here is that you have to build the core and the core has to be with you for longer than three years to make this shit work in soccer like it's you don't like just... a classic story john of any 
any locker room ever that like you got to have your veterans. You got to have the guys that have been around the locker room, that have been around the town, the city, that, the city. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? And and we just don't have that. And what kills me, like I'm saying, is that they, they hit reset every year. And then it's like, here are the guys to get excited about this year. And it's like, what did Ja'Cory Hayes do for me last year? Like, I'm like, great. Nico Hansen excited for the guy i'm literally not going to be all in on nico hansen this year i'm really sorry there's this collective voice that they use to market mm-hmm. to us like we're with you we're all lunesta but <laughs> like as a season ticket holder i don't really feel like anyone is listening to us when you think about well, like I mean, after how the after how the front office bungled their attempt to silence the wonder walls anti-racist uh protests back in 2019 and then how like wonderwall spent most of last summer getting steamrolled on covid policy and then ended up getting stabbed in the back by 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 like the left side of their supporters section like that message is clear like the club just is saying can't you just shut up and cheer like that's really shitty john that's just not that's not how there's like a really taking the fans for granted there yeah I mean, there's not really much more to add to what you said, um, but it it to me it all goes back to who 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 are we, and what and what what are we trying to do? Yeah, and like I like I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, and everyone always talks about like you know oh it must be real tough to be a Packer fan when you've had like 30 years of Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacking. Yeah, that's a luxury. It doesn't happen to everybody, but what the, what the packers did in the in the late 80s early 90s was they I, they identified that they sucked and they were like you know what we are bad and we are historical winners <laughs> and we're going to do what we need to do to really put this under a microscope and look at all of our missteps be transparent about how we didn't make the right calls like drafting a known steroid user instead of Barry Sanders that was a real good pick <laughs> um, and, and that guy flames out of the league and ultimately passes away because of drug use. Um, we, we, we know we made the missteps, but we're going to, from this day forward, we are going to rebuild and learn from those mistakes and we're going to re-identify ourselves as winners again. And that's what we're going to do. And they yeah. did that. And, and like, yes, it's only been, uh, two Super Bowl championships in my opinion, should have been a couple more, but the, the parallel to this is that like, that's really what United needs, man. It needs a reset. It needs, it needs, even if it keeps some of the, the personnel behind the scenes and not, not maybe just, not, not maybe the coach, but the, I think the coach has to go in order for there to be a, a true reset. But maybe that's what's needed. Like, uh, hey, guys, like, what are we doing here? Like, it, I, and I feel it's going to come after this year. Like, if this year doesn't work, like, how do people keep their jobs? If that's yeah. the case, then it's like, there, there's no hope. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the parity in the MLS, has there been a team? I mean, I don't know how long you followed the MLS, but I've been following it since its inception. Has there been a team that's been this, I don't really want to call it bad, but like this unsuccessful for a long period of time? Like even the, the like every year, it seems like another team kind of pops up. Look at New England. Yeah. Like New England. I was going to say, if you, asked, if you asked me that question this time last year, I would have said, no, Real Salt Lake. Oh, there they go. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Because you know what you know what they did? They hit reset. They figured yep. out they, they looked at what Dallas was doing. They're like, you know what? Like we actually have 
the, the makings of a really good academy system here. And we can build, we've, we've already seen it work with a few players. Maybe let's reinvest a little bit of the extra scratch into that instead of some stupid fucking marketing campaign. And let's like build some players up and then we can sell them and then we can get more players and we can do more great things. And maybe we'll start competing for a title again uh, or for the first time. I, I truly believe that that's what's needed because not everyone can start out like Atlanta. Um, or, no. I mean, even look at San Jose when they, they won the MLS their first year. Like, look at Seattle, look at, you know, right. Portland, those teams came in with an identity and they, they, and they built off of what they, like the teams that got promoted, like Minnesota United did, like Atlanta was a new team. I get that. But like the Portland's, the, um, you know, the, the Portland's, the, um, the, um, the, the, the Sounders, those were lower level teams that were like, this is what works for us and our fan base. This is who we are. Let's just let's just put a little bit of MLS on this. Let's like, you know, have to go through the weird funny mm-hmm. money that is acquiring players, but let's just do it the right way. And then let's see if it works like it used to. And it did. It, like, those, those teams are perennially good because they have an identity. They stick to it. They're unapologetic about who they are from a fan supporter perspective. And they just go in and they do their shit. But the other teams like San Jose started out as a winner, ended up having to go through some, some weirdness there and they were the the doormats for a while then they came back and now they're not so great again but they're coming back again with the acquisition of players like jackson yule and a, a you know a progressive thinking coach that sometimes it works sometimes it fails but uh blc seems to have done a really great job of being that type of manager throughout his career so yeah. like this this shit kind of works if you just you you truly go down to the, the the studs and you figure out what you got and then you you're transparent about it. Your fan base is going to actually probably get more behind you than yeah, they man. already are. If you respect like, the like respect the fans enough to just like pull back the curtain a little bit and say like, here's the plan. Yeah, and not just say that there's a three year plan, and mm-hmm. then in year three be like, you know, we're going to need another three. <laughs> or like uh, so, be like, you yeah. know what? Here's why. Here's why you haven't seen your favorite midfielder in for the entire season. Right. Even right. though he's healthy. Here's why here's why he's been a healthy scratch despite fl- playing for his national team in the Euros. Yeah, I, I mean if you think about it like you bring up a really good point. Um uh, I mean look at the Ike situation. Like we may never find out what happened there. And that's his personal thing, right? Like it's mm-hmm. could it be a, a personal issue? Is it a medical could thing? Could be a family issue, just, could be medical after his concussion, who knows. It could be whatever it is. And you know, I'm sure the the fans really want to know. I really want to know just because I, I'm just curious, but I also respect the fact that it's probably something that the 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 masses sh- shouldn't nor need to find out about. However, look about it from an employee perspective. Like all these players are employees of a of a corporation, um, in an organization. That situation to me is a real black eye because of the fact that uh, it, it they didn't protect their employee. Mm-hmm. They just swept it under the rug, hoping no one would talk about it. And that's a, that's one way to do it in certain circumstances. It's like, let's just not talk about this because it's it's serious, but not serious enough where we, we'll just let it let, let it kind of go by. And then it will be over one day. And then, you know, maybe we'll have to answer a few questions. But then we're not in the shit in, in, in the now because we're addressing it. But what they didn't do was protect him. They didn't say, like, he is going through an issue that is a personal matter and he will not be on the field with us. Instead, mm-hmm. it was like a, it was like Ike watch 2020. Like what's happening yeah. with Ike now? 
you know, like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, <laughs> you go, no, you I got, I, I hear you, man. You don't just sleep under the rug, the best defender in the league and just be like, no one's going to find out. No one's going to figure this out. Shh, be quiet. He was never think. here. Exactly. And that goes back again to the identity transparency thing for me. It's like, Mm-hmm. It, it protect your employees and and it goes back to the roster thing too like i don't feel like a lot of those former fan favorites quality players were probably felt protected by the organization or like loved by the organization like maybe they did i don't know um but like but like you, you said at, if you're bringing in if you're bringing in alternatives throughout the always. course of the season like why would uh me as someone like darwin or or ramirez like why would i try that hard if you're if, if if I'm seeing that my employer is trying really hard to replace me, yeah. the the big one for me, I know we already kind of talked about this this part, but the big one for me was the the Ibarra stuff. Like yeah. that just that just did not go down great. I mean Ramirez, I get, I, I know there was some issues that he was having and the organization was having with him, and and I, and I he was I valuable. That, he was a valuable transfer out, so I get you got some money it, for him. Exactly. And I don't believe that he was a saint in all this either, to be honest. I think there was, it was coming up from both sides, but Mm -hmm. you look at like, then he leaves and he goes to another MLS team and he's successful. He goes over to Europe, which would have been a better transfer for United if they would have kept with him for a little bit longer, they would have been able to get that European transfer money. And he's loved loved over there. Like literally like they love him in Scotland. They love him. Like people are naming their kids and shit after him. Like, <laughs> you know, you're like, kidding. No, I'm dead serious. Um, so it's, it's the same thing. It's like, uh, you know, regardless of what happens back of the house, we'll never find that out. We can speculate. We can make wild assumptions that may be correct or incorrect. It tr- truly goes down to me with, like I've said it before, the transparency and the, I, the self-realization of who you're, what your identity is, who you are, and how you're going to move forward. And you don't have to tell everyone all your plans, but you have to at least give the people something so that they have a reason to continue to, to be a supporter of your organization. And it could be a yeah. brand that sells something or it could be a sports team. Um, you know, like look how many people in Jacksonville still go to the Jaguars games, even though they're just a, a stain of an organization. They, they, they want to go because they want to see live sports. And it's the biggest, it's, it's the biggest football draw in that area. You know what I mean? Like M- M- the MLS in the United States, it's the biggest draw for soccer in the, these markets and people are going to come yeah. no matter what. But if you want to keep making that money, which the franchise model it's pretty clear that you need to um, in order to be successful. Like just give the fans a little bit more than like the, the marketing materials and things that make them feel like they're part of it, you know, like, and that's, and that's kind of what I'm saying, John, like here, the thing is, is you can, I'm sure there are people who are listening who are like, we'll just stop going to the game, stop spending money. But it's like, here's the thing, like a game at Allianz field is just fun to go to. Like, it's a great environment. It's a nice mm-hmm. facility. I love taking my daughter. It's fun to cheer and yell at players and listen to a two-year-old scream goal. I've but, never had – I'll say this. I've never had a bad experience in, like, the. I don't go to a lot of games because the summers are busy for me um, with what we do here. But, like, I've never had a bad – I've never had a bad time going to a Minnesota United game. No. Like, but even back when they played at the bank and it sucked, I never had a bad time. But, man, but here's the, here, if this year is a continuation of, of last year, though, like – if like player turnover makes it hard to feel like you're connected to anyone on the field, if culture becomes more and more prevalent, this, this like 
culture that has been seeping up from the sewers becomes more and more prevalent. Like, I'm sure I'm not the only person who's going to reevaluate where their money goes. And if you're right. wondering where else, if you're one, if you're like me and you're wondering where else to spend your time watching soccer, I mean, like you said, most people listen to this podcast are probably members, but if you're not, I know a team that has a strict, like no assholes policy where the culture's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you. I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, you know, I definitely want to say this before, before we, um, we, we pack up the show here for tonight. Um, we don't know what happens over at Minnesota United. And this is all our, our, our opinion and things that we, we've uncovered. But, um, you know, like you said, there, if you want to be part of something, you want to feel included. And I, if I was a United supporter, I wouldn't really feel like I was included in things. And I get it because professional sports, but you know, you can't win them all, Nate, but Mm -hmm. these are our, these are our facts and opinions that we, (laughs) and we hold no one else responsible but ourselves for saying them. There's our, there's our disclaimer at the end of the show, Nate. <laughs> Word. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for listening, folks, um, to this week's show. And thank you to our wonderful sponsor, footballstadiumprints.com. If you're in the market for supreme, supremely curated soccer-focused graphic design on anything from mugs to T-shirts, head on over to footballstadiumprints.com and fill up your cart. You can even get in on their NFT game, Nate. Are you a big NFT guy? What? No. <laughs> If you follow them on Twitter, there's some really cool shit out there that Steve's doing with uh, with NFTs and some of his uh, original artwork. I that's recommend awesome. check, checking it out. Um, don't forget to use the code CROWS10. That's CROWS10 for 10% off of everything you purchase outside of those non-fungible tokens that I just mentioned. You can't get discounts on those. Um, and remember, all orders ship right from the States, so there are no pesky international shipping charges. If we've said it once, we've said it 199 times exactly, Nate. Minneapolis City is a 501c3, so consider getting that tax deductible donation through to a charitable uh, gift to the through a charitable gift to the club to keep the wonderful ship we've created afloat. If you're interested in getting a hold of us, uh, we made it pretty simple. You can you can complain to the club. I'm sure after people listening to this one, there's going to be a lot of complaints. But um, <laughs> anyways, uh, you can complain to the club. Uh, at MPLS City SC on Twitter or through the show, please complain to the show. Actually, like if you have a problem with what we said, complain like, to us. Complain to us. Tell I'd me. love to hear it. We can we can we can have a healthy dialogue, a respectfully mm. healthy, transparent dialogue. Um, we appreciate you so. your disc Discord. <laughs> Discord. Um, so you can get get all of us complain to us through the through the show at the people's pitch or via email at mcsepodcast at gmail.com. And I and now I'm now reminded that Bren, if you are listening, we we do have your question that came through. Uh, I totally forgot to add it into this week, so we will get it in potentially for our next big thing we're going to talk about, Nate. Because that's all for this week. I am Nate. I'm John. That is Nate. Friends, this <laughs> is our 199th episode, which means we got two hundred coming up. up up our sleeve for the big 200 so maybe maybe, maybe the whole thing's gonna be centered around friends question i don't know <laughs> but maybe so stay tuned for info on what we have up our sleeves for our 200th episode and we got hooked <laughs>